The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to bring you another exciting show and bring you home a slew of winners. Had a pretty good week last week with Tom Lamara as our guest handicapper. Our guest handicapper today from Las Vegas will be Ralph Soracco. Ralph, uh, who has been on the show before, an outstanding handicapper, uh, has a Las Vegas race day radio show. He's on top of everything. Of course, they just had the National Handicapping Championship out in Vegas. So I look forward to getting Ralph's insight on four three-year-old races. It's that time of year, folks. Got to separate the chaff from the wheat. We're going to go to the Withers at Aqueduct, the Sam F. Davis at Tampa Bay Downs, then at Gulfstream Park, uh, the historic Hutchison Stakes, and then out at Santa Anita, I had to say a very small field in the Robert B. Lewis, but it is a grade two race nonetheless. Then we're going to go back. We'll recap the races we looked at last week. My first guest, though, is a guy who's no stranger to controversy and no stranger to the sport of kings. He's won over $131 million with 4,393 wins. His name is Shane Sellers. Uh, he's always been very big in, into the rights of jockeys. As you know, uh, Shane has uh, retired and come back from the saddle. He wasn't sure how much he was going to be riding this winter. People were surprised to see that he didn't show up at the fairgrounds. Well, as it turns out, he's hooked up with Pat Huffman, and he's working on a farm outside of Lexington. And uh, we're going to find out about his uh, farm uh, duties and what he's doing there, mostly, I believe, breaking babies, taking care of broodmares. But he decided to come on up the road and start riding the Turfway Park. And in two of the last three Saturdays I've been there, he's won both stakes races. He's named to ride two stakes on Saturday. So it uh, be interesting to talk to uh, Shane Sellers, one of the famous Cajuns uh, that uh, has come up through the sport. Uh, speaking of the National Handicapping Championship, a tip of the hat to Jim Bennis of Illinois. This one went right down to the wire. He never imagined he'd win $750,000 on a $3.60 place horse, but that's exactly what put him into the winner's circle on his final bet of the day. Uh, he trailed Roger Satina of Rumson, New Jersey, by, by $2.40 after the final posted scoring update. And, of course, when you're out there, you're not really sure uh, who's still alive or not because um, of the, the format they use. There are... Um, you know, 15 mythical $2 win-and-place wagers each day with eight mandatory and seven are players' choice. So you're just not sure. And he kind of threw up a Hail Mary. He got a Hail Mary. That was the name of the winning horse. And the uh, 
dollar and twenty margin of victory was the second closest ever in the history of the contest. Last year it was a one dollar win by Michael Bachoke over David Flansman. So uh but uh Mr. Satina who finished second collected two hundred thousand dollars and then um Jeff Hartz of uh, Rummel's Iowa finished third, earned a hundred thousand dollars. Richard Gross held on for fourth, seventy-five thousand, and he also got another five thousand because he was the top man on Friday. So uh, the top forty received cash prizes, and congratulations to all those that uh, went home with a little more money in their pocket than what they showed up to Vegas with. Well, here's kind of some interesting news: the Hawthorne is going to boost the Illinois Derby, to 750000 Now, you know, there's been a lot of controversy because they were snubbed by the Kentucky Derby point system and not being awarded any points. And uh, But this is kind of interesting because uh, while the points won't go to the Kentucky Derby, still $750,000, uh, nothing to sneeze at, uh, what they're thinking is that Tim Carey, Hawthorne's uh, president, said the race has been repositioned as just two weeks before the Derby as a potential Preakness or Belmont prep for talented horses who may lack the sufficient Derby qualifying points. So kind of interesting that they might get the strongest of uh, late bloomers. Uh, so they uh, really hope to draw the horses that just missed qualifying for the Derby that might be prepping for the Preakness or the Belmont. Uh, the other race that will... Uh, also be in the open stakes in the spring is the 60 Sales, the grade three, a horse that was once owned by Bozo Grimion, who runs Bozo's down there in Metairie, Louisiana, a great restaurant if you ever get the chance to go down there. Maybe when you're down there for the Super Bowl. Okay, well, uh, as you recall, last year uh, we had uh, Elliot Walden on that told us about the Fantasy Derby Contest. They're having that again, uh, the uh, Windstar Stablebates community, so... Uh, what you need to do is you can get in on the, the top prizes. It's basically a fantasy stable. Uh, you'll pick your horses. I believe you get uh, the top ten finishers. First place winner will get two box seats to the Kentucky Derby. Runner-up will get box seats to the Kentucky Oaks. And um, all the top prizes include a behind-the-scenes guided tour of Windstar, a gift basket. Uh, but the bottom line is this. If you go to the Windstar website, the deadline is Saturday, February 2nd. So if you want to get in on a fun contest and uh, maybe land you some seats for the Derby and the Oaks, that's what you want to do, and do it soon. Um, Well, news from the jockey world. um, Good news. uh, Ramon Dominguez is out of intensive care, and they're they're looking at uh, his beginning now of rehabilitation. uh, He's been uh, moved to what they call a step-down unit, which is an intermediate location between the ICU and a regular uh, inpatient room. So, obviously, he's moving in the right direction. There's no timetable for for exactly when he'll be released, and uh, he cannot have visitors, but you can send cards to him in care of the Aqueduct Jockey's Quarters, and they'll make sure uh, that they get over there. Um, His his wife, uh, Sharon Dominguez, said that so many people have given generously in his name to the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, and she certainly encourages that because it's uh, a cause that he has always been very passionate about in the Jockeys Guild, and uh, it's easy enough if you want to donate. You can go to www.pdjf.org. 
So hopefully he will recuperate from that fractured skull. I mean, he's just won his third straight Eclipse Award after winning a record $25 million last year. All right, a slap on the back for another Cajun rider. Jackie Gerard Melanson, a Delta Downs, became the 65th North American rider to reach 4,000 career wins. He got to that milestone in a $4,000 claimer. He just says, I've had a blessed career. I have so many people uh, to thank, and especially it's great to have my family around here. Uh, his richest win came in 2011 when he rode Saber Cat to win the million-dollar Delta Downs jackpot for Steve Asmussen. Uh, overall, he's ridden in 26,000 races, so congratulations to another one of the Melanson riders. And speaking of a family of riders, how about Jackie Russell Bays from the Bays family? Uh, he competed in his 50,000th thoroughbred race on Friday. He is the first North American jockey with 50,000 mounts. Uh, his re- record total going into Thursday, 50,012. Uh, he's also the leader with 11,842 wins, and he just keeps racking it up. Believe it or not, he's not the leading rider in the world. He's the second winningest rider behind Orhe Ricardo, who had five wins in Argentina on Monday to increase his record to 11,895. I always thought Bayes was on top. Well, uh, some uh, interesting news in the stud. Uh, Jackson Bend, uh, multiple grade one winner. You may recall that when he was getting ready for the forego last year, he was involved in a freak accident during a morning routine gallop where he got T-boned and uh, knocked him down to the ground. He had swelling. He may, may have even had a, a concussion. Well, he was supposed to start stud at Journeyman Stud, and after mounting some mares, the vets looked at him and they said, he's just coming off these mares a little too uncomfortable, so he's going to have to move his stud duties back about 12 months. Of course, uh, Jackson Bend, a top runner, won the uh, 2011 Forgo Handicap and the 2012 Carter. He's earned over $1.6 million, so we wish him a fast recuperation, and uh, we hope that he gets back to uh, stud as soon as he can when the season opens next year. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a three-quarter brother to Frankel coming to the States. Now, Frankel's sire, Galileo, lands a top son, Kentucky. Midas Touch will be going to War Horse farm near Lexington. Uh, six-year-old Midas Touch will stand for $10,000. Um, bred in Britain, he was a grade one stakes performer in Ireland where he was a champion three-year-old. And in England and Australia, uh, he won the Darestown Stud Derby, the Duty Free Irish Derby. Uh, this horse brings a lot of credentials to the United States, and it looks like we're going to get some of the Galileo bloodlines uh, here in the U.S. And it's that time of year where some of the top ladies are starting to drop their foals. Life at 10, you remember the uh, brouhaha she had in the uh, Breeders' Cup ladies. Uh, well, she has been bred and has foaled a Magdalia de Oro Colt. Of course, Life at 10 uh, had eight wins from 22 starts with earnings of $1.2 million. Also uh, on the uh, foal list is Canadian Horse of the Year Biofuel had a first foal by Tappet. Uh, she is down at uh, at Airdrie Farm, where uh, she's going to be uh, bred back to the ex-governor's proud citizen. Proud citizen, of course, was the sire of this year's Kentucky Oaks winner. All right, let's uh, take a quick look at uh, some of the uh, the top races that we looked at last week. 
and we had some of the top runners in the country performing, one winning like a good thing, and another one, heavy as the head that wears the crown, Shanghai Bobby, who was crowned two-year-old Eclipse Award winning champion. Colt was upset in the Holy Bull. It was It's My Lucky Day running by Shanghai Bobby, who had the rail and who fought for the lead most of the way. Uh, it's My Lucky Day just went by him by two links. Of course, he's a horse that already had a win over the Gulfstream Strip and already had a win at a mile and a sixteenth. A $11.40 to win. Looked very, very impressive. Shanghai Bobby, you know, it was his first start since November 12th. <clears throat> so uh, it might have just needed a tightener, but it was also his first career defeat. And in doing so, they... Uh, created a new track record. And you can imagine quite a few horses have gone a mile and a sixteenth at Gulfstream Park. And uh, so the horse to watch now on the Derby Trail is It's My Lucky Day. And it looks like both It's My Lucky Day and Shanghai Bobby are going to skip the Fountain of Youth and probably go directly to the Florida Derby, according to their connections. Well, the other big horse that was on the track down at Gulfstream Park was Cowie Katie, and she just romped in the forward gal. Very, very impressive. Uh, she's never been beaten on a one-turn race. Of course, uh, Cowie Katie, another Todd Pletcher trainee, finished second in the balloting for the Eclipse behind a Beholder. Uh, wire to wire, one by five and a half lengths, heavy, heavy favorite. But uh, nonetheless, it's good to see her, her back on the track and in her winning ways. And it'll be interesting to see if she can stretch out. Of course, the only time around that Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly, where uh, she finished behind Beholder and Executive Privilege. So interesting to see if she stays printing, sprinting or starts going long. Of course, out on the West Coast, we... Uh, took a look at the Santa Monica, the grade two. This is a seven furlong race. And the word was it was going to be the swan song for Ron Ellis's Teddy's Promise. Uh-uh. Big win. Stalked the pace one by three. And Ted and Judy Nichols said, I'll tell you what, let's keep Teddy's Promise in training. That was so impressive. We're going to keep this horse in training and point to the Breeders' Cup. So those were the three races we handicapped last week. Other races of no optimizer uh, won the Colonel Bradley. It looks like uh, D. Wayne Lucas is on a roll. Uh, so he's not only got, got optimizer, but he's got uh, Oxbow that's going to be pointing to the Risen Star and hopefully on to the Louisiana Derby. And then uh, Will Take Charge is going to stay at Oaklawn. Uh, he just won the Smarty Jones and he may take his path into the Derby through Oaklawn. All right. Well, we just put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack, but right now, something I've been looking forward to for weeks, and that's an interview with the legendary rider Shane Sellers. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. The Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, welcome back. Really looking forward to this segment. Uh, several weeks ago, I was supposed to interview Shane, and what we didn't realize is he was in a different time zone visiting his family, so he was sitting by the phone waiting for me to call, and I was calling the other phone an hour early, so either way, uh, I've got to see Shane uh, win another stakes race last week, and uh, he was kind enough to say that he'd happy to be on winning ponies. Of course, uh, he uh, started working around horses at age 11 down in Erath, uh, Louisiana in 1983. He rode his first winner at Evangeline Downs. He's won several national riding championships, uh, just killed him up at Arlington Park over his career. Uh, he's been in the Kentucky Times, and... Um, of course, one of his most exciting wins had to be his ride to skip away over the great cigar in the Jockey Club Gold Cup in 1996. Um, I won't have to shorten up his accolades, or we'd have to make this an hour-long interview. Uh, with me right now from, I believe, Lexington, Kentucky, is Shane Sellers. Shane, are you there? Hi, John. How are you, man? Sorry about last week. Hey, that's okay. Like I said, Jeff Johnston jumped in for you, and uh, he did a great job. And uh, like I told you, Turfway, he had a lot of nice things uh, to, to say about you because he appreciates uh, all your efforts with the Jockey Guild. He says you're great with the young riders, and and that's what you need is you need that leadership in the jocks room. Well, before I get on to some of the things you're doing now, can you kind of – Give us some biographical information. What was it like? You know, I hear about so many of those riders coming out of Louisiana. Uh, I had Randy Romero on this show a couple months ago. Um, tell us what your young life was uh, like growing up around horses. Well, I, I, what I'd like to, uh, for people to know is that uh, uh, me and Calvin Borrell uh, grew up together. Uh, uh, since age of nine, we started riding together when we were 11 years old in the bush tracks and Abbeville, Louisiana, which is about six miles from Erath, and 
it's a little place called uh, Canton Downs where uh, Randy Romero, uh, Ken DeFalmo, uh, a lot of a lot of great riders. Tracy Abery, uh came out of Ronnie Ebanks, which was my old agent. Agent uh, started riding there, and we started when we was 11 years old together, and um, we've been riding uh, for that length of time until today. Um, so it was it was a great childhood. Um, uh, it probably probably was the funnest time of my whole career uh, riding on the bush tracks. It, it gave us a lot of experience. Now, Shane, was your was your family involved in raising or training horses at the time? No, nobody in my family was. Um, I just had an infatuation with horses. Uh, I, I just loved horses. It was my passion, and uh, I had a rough childhood at home. It was my way of getting away from home. It's probably the only way of me getting away from home, and um, um, it, it was my out. And uh, I, I, I took it, and I ran with it, and, and it ended up being a great career. Now, uh, kind of take us along with you on your ride. Obviously, from Cajun Downs, you went to Evangeline Downs. What was your next step forward in the sport? Well, I stayed in Louisiana for a while, and, and I had a lot of people tell me, you know, you need to get out of here. You're, you, you're a very good rider. You need to get out of here. And they kept telling me that, kept telling me that. And, you know, coming from the bush tracks in Louisiana, riding at the recognized racetracks was was all I thought I needed to do. I mean, I was happy. I was, um, you know, I was winning races. I was making a lot of money, what I thought was a lot of money. Um, and um, so I, I went from there. Uh, I, I kind of listened to what, to the people that kept telling me to leave. In 86, I left, and I went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I went without an agent. I stayed there um, the whole meeting. A, a, a guy named Melvin Holland, who was a very good rider, said, Shane, you need to get out of here. You need to go to somewhere where you can win some races because you can ride. And I said, well, could you tell me where that would be? And he said, well, how about a place called Fairmont Park? It was in Illinois. And um, I got on the plane, or well, I got on the car, in in my car, and um, grabbed all my stuff, and I went there, didn't know anybody, and uh, hooked up with a guy named Steve Elsey and um, was leading rider right there. Um the first year I was there was the second year I was leading rider, and halfway through the meet, I just went up and uh, went up to uh, Hawthorne Racecourse and rode there a little bit. Um, got lucky and hooked up with Wayne Catalano and went on to Arlington Park, and after that, I guess the rest is history. Well, quite a history it is uh, when, when you uh, say names like uh, Skip Away, Black Tie Affair, uh, Countess Diana, Bucks Boy. I mean, all of a sudden, you found found yourself amongst racing's elite. I did, and, and it was because of Fairmont Park, Illinois. Um, I, I did well. There was a rider there named Dave Gall who, when at the time, was 5,000 races. He went on to win 60-something hundred races, and... They told me that he was there, and, and I, I went looking for this guy. I was like, who's this guy, this Dave Gall, this team? And when he was a fragile little guy, just, and I said, that's him? And boy, could he ride a race. I mean, he he could really ride, and, and I learned a lot from Dave Gall. And, um, again, that the, that point in in my career was, was the next level. Um, I was able to ride, go from there, Ride a horse, which is an Illinois bred for Mr. Noel Hickey, called uh, 
um, uh, Blue Buckaroo. And oh, yeah. I went riding him at, at Hawthorne Racecourse, and Ronnie Ebanks saw me there, and he was still riding. He said, we grew up together, and, and he said, I hadn't seen you since you was a kid, but, you know, you, you look good on a horse and blah, blah, blah. Would you come? And I said, well, Ronnie, I mean, I was leading riding at Fairmont Park, and I said, uh, I, don't, I didn't want to leave, you know. I was like, you know, I just come from Oakland Park. I had a one, one race from the whole meet. And he said, no, come here. I'll, you'll ride for Catalina. And I packed my pack and I went. And he quit riding, took my book, and kept with my agent for 13 years. I went on to Arlington Park and with the help of Wayne Catalano, um, won a lot of races. And uh, Wayne opened the door with a lot of people like Carl Nasker and Frankie Brothers. And uh, coming with those guys came some good horses. And uh, with a lot of hard work um, and with the blessing of the Lord, um, I was able to win a lot of races, and, and with that came a lot of good horses. Skip Away, Pulpit, Bugs Boy, uh, Town of Diana, Skip Away, and to name a few. Absolutely. Then there was then there was the the, the break in your career. Uh, there there was the, uh, the the sideways move into a musical career. You were you were away, and then you decided that you still had the love, you still had the passion. Obviously, your your knees felt good good enough, and you decided to launch your comeback. Describe that. Well, uh, the, the the comeback was. Um, uh, a lot of things. I mean, I got hurt for one thing, which which got me into country music. It wasn't like I I left the game to to pursue country music. It was because I got hurt and I was never supposed to ride again. And and uh, country music came along and I and I I um I pro- I produced an album and which did very well. But it, again, it was just because of my downtime. But um coming back was an unbelievable feeling because again, my doctor said I was. To never ride again, and after two years, I just I wasn't ready to quit. You know, I mean, the the, the reasons why I quit was not the reason what how I wanted to go out, if you will. And um, I, with, with the blessings of my wife and my three kids at the time, I said, you know, I want to give it another shot and go out on my own terms. And um, and I did, and I I came back and rode a horse called the Cliff Edge, who won the Bluegrass and went on to be the co-favorite in the, in the Kentucky Derby, and it was uh, an unbelievable feeling. I was riding for first call for Steve Asmussen and um, rode some great horses like Take Charge Lady and a lot of a lot of good horses, and um, my career was off again, and it, it was a and great feeling. It seemed like all of a sudden you got a little bit derailed uh, in, the, in the middle of the summer, uh, where you had that strange accident where it looked like the horse wanted to go over the inside fence. And it took, when you came back, you, you, you told me that you were kind of surprised that a lot of your business had, had kind of dried up, surprisingly, people that had supported you, and that you decided, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to go down to New Orleans and, and bang, my, bang my head down there. And so uh, you kind of went into a, a little bit of a side business with Pat Hoffman, and in the meantime, have found yourself back in the saddle on some nice horses. Can you tell our audience about what you're doing now? Because the day in the life of Shane Sellers isn't just that of a jockey anymore. No, it's not. And I, it, it, Pat Huffman is my partner, but uh, I, I can't leave out um, Bridget Parker. I, you know, I met this lady in the springtime at uh, Keeneland, and she lives right behind the castle in, in Versailles, Kentucky. And um, 
we became very good friends and, and then I got hurt and, uh, again, I was riding for Asmus and Al Stahl. I built my business back up and when I came back to, to riding, a lot of those, none of those guys gave me a shot. I mean, I, uh, none. I, I had no business. And I couldn't, for the life of me, I couldn't figure it out. And, um, I was out of the track working and anyway, by the grace of God, you know, I, I met Bridget Parker and I, I um, started, and Pat Hudson been a great friend of mine, and I've always wanted to break babies, and she had a wonderful facility, and I saw it, and I said, A.B., you know, I call her A.B., I said, A.B., you know, we can we can break some babies, and um, lo and behold, it, that's how it turned out. Me, her, and Pat got together, and I'm breaking babies out at her farm, and actually went partners with her on the farm, and we got five or six babies right now, and um, in fact, at one o'clock, two o'clock today, I, I finished my work, and uh, we got mares out of the farm and, and um, breaking babies, and, and I love it. I, it's something that I love to do. It's something that I feel like I'm gifted in with young horses and with the opportunity that she's given me. And um, at the time in, in my life, you know, I'm 46 years old. I can't ride forever. You know, I, I have to be smart enough to understand that. And um, this is something that I feel like God has blessed me to do with racehorses. I can still be in the game and and uh, be a part of it. So, but at the same time, as I was doing that, uh, Mike Maker called me and asked me would I go and ride some horses for him at, at uh, Turfway. And <clears throat> excuse me, I couldn't pass up the opportunity because you know, in my heart, I still am a jockey. I still want to ride racehorses. I still am longing for those for that good horse again. You know, I know there's not many left in my future. So um, I took the opportunity, and, and it worked out well. I'm, I, I still have my babies. I get on them in the mornings. I break them, and, and I go, and I ride a turfway, and it's turned out well. I win seven or eight races for Mike, two stakes, and hopefully um, with God's blessing, you know, it would turn over and up into Keeneland, and um, maybe Mike will give me a shot there, and hopefully, you know, I've ridden for the Ask Newsons and, Al Stalls, and if they see me win, and hopefully they give me a shot again. And um, long term, hopefully, you know I can maybe ride the Derby again, or ride a good horse again. I know I'm not gonna ride seven eight again a day, um, but you know, hopefully, maybe a good horse here or there, and break some good babies, and um, look for the long term in, in, in stealing horse racing. Well, I'll be down there on Saturday rooting you on. If any of those guys want to go back and look at some tapes, they can look at the stakes races you've been winning at Turfway Park. On Saturday, you'll be in the 96 Rocks, and you'll also be in the Cincinnati Trophy Stakes aboard some nice horses for Mike Maker. So I, I look forward to seeing you again. All I can tell you is from watching your ride, Shane, doesn't look like you've lost a step to me. Well, that's very nice of you to say. You know, it's all about the opportunity. It really is, and I wish people would understand that it's, Without opportunity, I can't win races. With opportunity, I still can 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 compete with today's riders, and that's what it's all about. And if I didn't know that, I wouldn't do it. I know that, and uh, hopefully, I'll get the opportunity. If not, I'll be glad breaking my babies. <laughs> well, it's great to have a fallback, but you just keep riding because you're looking awful great, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with us uh, now uh, was, was was Shane Sellers. Uh, Shane, thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies. Thank you. God bless everybody. All right, take care. That was Shane Sellers. Coming up next, one of my favorite cappers. He's out in Vegas. Ralph Sirocco's going to be capping the three-year-olds with us here on Winning Ponies. 
I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes work in reducing premature birth. Almost half a million babies are born too soon in the United States. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and life-saving programs. These programs, such as Centering Pregnancy, help moms in our communities have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us during Prematurity Awareness Month in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.com Hey, did you know Voice America's partner And they're off What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now from Race Day Las Vegas is Ralph Sirocco, who's uh, been involved in racing on a lot of angles. As a matter of fact, the guy's got some great pipes, and one of his earliest jobs uh, was uh, as a track announcer before he became uh, a turf rider. I'll let uh, Ralph tell us exactly what stations he's on, what call letters to get, and what time of the day. You can listen to him when, as soon as we get him on the air here. We're going to break down some of the three-year-old races that are coming up. So uh, with me right now is one Ralph Sirocco. Ralph, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. I thought you. I thought you. I didn't know you were going to let me do horse racing. I thought you were going to talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> we can do that too. You probably make odds on on everything. I mean, living out there in Las Vegas, boy, it's got to be awful uh, fun and tough at the same time. You know, I keep telling people. Um, that our town obviously is the second best place to have any uh, to go to for any big major event like the Derby. If you're not at Churchill Downs, you got to be here. If you're not at Super Bowl, you got to be here. And we have such an opportunity here in Las Vegas with the 300,000 or so that's going to be showing up here that are rolling up the highways as early as tomorrow morning. They're going to be in the mindset to want to, you know, gamble and want to explore, and they're going to be in the sports book, and the race book is right next to it. And I keep telling everybody out here, all of the regular race players, now it's a great time. This is a great opportunity. They're all hanging around waiting for Sunday for the game. They're in a good mood. They want to play. They want to have fun. Let's introduce them to this great sport of Kings. And what a great way of doing it when you have four races this weekend, three of which are are going to be stepping stones for preps for the Kentucky Derby, where they get to see some horses that may they may wind up, uh, you know, seeing on Derby Day come the first Saturday in May. So they got to be patient out there. Let's recruit some new players while uh, they're here having fun. Ralph, um, where does one go when they're out there to make a uh, the your pre-Derby bets? You mean future book? Yeah. 
Well, uh, Johnny Avello over at The Win has an extensive future book, and uh, Dan Shapiro over at William Hill, the William Hill Group now, uh, in their locations has one. And you can find one at the LVH, which is uh, used to be the uh, Las Vegas Hilton Superbook. So you have some uh, places you can go to, but... Um, you know, you got to be the, almost the first guy in line because once they get those extensions and exposure going, they they lower the odds on the horses. So you got to be pretty sharp. Well, I must ask: Does Ralph Sirocco have any tickets in his top drawer? Oh, please! Uh, they send limousines for me. I haven't hit a future book bet and, uh, <laughs> since uh, I've been here. <laughs> when I walk in, I say, uh, "Hey, what's this horse?" They go 125 to one. I say, "Well, I don't know." I said, "Well, we'll give you 250." You never hit anything. <laughs> you really want to bet this one? Yeah. <laughs> Close as I, I, you I know, I had to get the win odds in every couple of weeks. And, to one. And I will update them now. I mean, obviously, uh, we're gonna we're gonna see things move around in, in the weeks ahead. It's a, a very competitive three-year-old division. I'm sure when we start breaking uh, down some of these races, which, by the way, I just sent you the Hutchinson. If you're anywhere near a computer, yeah, um, I got my computer with me. Uh, Anyhow, I, I was going to say, uh, be, be, I, I know you like to play the horses, but be, being in, in Las Vegas, you've got so many opportunities to play races. And, and my question for you and a lot of the people who listen to the show uh, are, are, are handicappers. Is like, uh, how do you approach your handicapping with that variety? I mean, do, do, you, do you pick a favorite track? Do you have a favorite type of race, a maiden, a turf, a sprint, a route, a stake? Uh, or do, do you like uh, certain surfaces? Do you prefer the turf over the poly, over the dirt? Um, how does Ralph Sirocco approach a day at the races if he's just going for some fun? You know, i got to tell you, uh, John, that um, it's almost like drilling for oil. You go where you, you, you think you're going to have uh, the best shot at uh, you know, uh, having a winner. It doesn't matter whether it's synthetic. It doesn't matter... Uh, what circuit it's on. I've, when I came out here 14 years ago and started the Race Day Las Vegas radio programs, I was firmly convinced, and still am today, that the race goers that go into the books that are local, the people here who live here and go into the books each and every day, go to the races on a national level and not a, a regional level. And so they're, they're pretty much, uh, you know, uh, in tune. Uh, a whole lot more than uh, most people are in regional areas where there's live racing because they get a chance to see all the racing. So, um, you know, I don't. I, I just apply my handicapping principles uh, to the races and look for value. You just got to look for value. And, uh, but but so so there, there's there's no one style. You try to find maybe a vulnerable favorite. Absolutely, I hate filthy favorites. I put up with filthy favorites, but I hate them. Well, I see. I don't mind a favorite as long as I can find those price horses to put underneath in my exotics. Well, exactly. You got. You know, when you have a favorite, you got to try to make chicken soup out of chicken feathers, and so you can't just bet the horses straight. You got to put them in exotics or rolling uh, pick threes or, or things like that. Um, uh, you know, when you have a favorite and you're starting out a sequential bet that goes over several races, it loses the value because people get to see the the odds on the horse. If you think you're going to have an odds-on favorite and it's hidden in the second or third uh, races in a pick four or pick three or pick five, then you have an opportunity to make some money. But it's all about making money and looking for value. It always is. 
Well, let's see if we can find any value at Aqueduct in the 133rd running of the Withers. Now, this is one of the races that will earn points to get in the Kentucky Derby. And obviously, this race has been around. Uh, Sir Barton won it in 1919. Manowar won it. Johnstown, Count Fleet, Hill Prince, a little bit more modern times, Dr. Fager, and in 2006, Bernardini. So obviously, it's a race that can stamp a quality three-year-old. And none of these really jump off the paper, but it looks like there's quite a few that got potential upside to them after just a few races. You know, i got to tell you, I had uh, the opportunity of having Richard Migliori on my show today from uh, HRTV, and all, everybody knows Richie Migliori, of sure. course, is a famous uh, jockey. And we went over some of the races today, and he told me that he thought this Long River, the horse that's uh, going to be the rail horse and part of an entry with Valid, in at Aqueduct, he thought this was a real nice horse, and uh, he thinks he's going to get a trip from the inside uh, after you know running a, a dismal fourth in the uh, Jerome. He thought that this horse is going to get a trip in that race. So you know, I'm not going to go against Richie. I'll, I'll go ahead and take the uh, the entry in this race, um, and you know, valid of course, uh, a winner uh, just breaking his maiden. Uh, you never know what kind of upside a horse like that might have. And, uh, you know, you're getting two for one for Karen McLaughlin. i got to go for that thing. Yeah, and I, I, I'm trying to sh- shake the cobwebs out. But Long River, of course, he's by outstanding sire A.P. Indy. But his mother is Round Pond. Do you recall her? She was a hell of a oh, yeah. runner, she wasn't was she? Ver- she was a very good uh, race mare, no doubt about it. And she's by Awesome again, and we all know what he did. No, she's a, she's a good damn. And Long River is going to get first Lasix. I think the other two horses that are, are, are got upside to them, obviously one of the many from the Pletcher Barn, is this uh, revolutionary that the Windstar purchased. Horse has been favored in every single start. Really got a wake-up call on the Aqueduct uh, inner track last time. Recorded 102 buyer winning in hand by eight and a half lengths. Yeah, you know, but I'm so scared when horses have such a huge number like that of the uh, typical bounce. And that was on a good track, uh, although the horse did get a 9 to 95 uh, buyer a couple of races back when he finished uh, second in trying to break his maiden. But, uh, you know, he ran a 77, then a 95, then he bounced to a 68. Now he, you know, breaks his maiden on a good track in a 102. It, there's a cycle there that says he might bounce a little. Well, I think the other one, just from watching him race, he was the Rodney Dangerfield of the Jerome, was Siet de Oros. I noticed that the trainer put blinkers on him for the first time, and this horse fought by Jack every step of the final two furlongs and just came up ahead short. They actually bounced off each other a little bit. Uh, he might be one to watch. It was a gritty performance, Ralph. Got, I don't know anything about that rider, but it's uh, Marie Remedio, and I guess, uh, you know, Marie in some Hispanic uh, parts of the country actually is a male's name as well, so I don't know if it's a gal or a guy who's riding that horse. Well, I, I, I don't either, but you want to know something? The original rider, I think, had a visa problem, and that's how this rider picked up the mount. Oh, okay. Well, um, uh, if I was looking for another horse to put in my exotics, and I am and I will, uh, I'm going to use the three-horse escape from reality. Here's a horse who uh, broke his maiden in a solid effort, came back in a, an allowance uh, non-winner other than, and had a, a really decent race, had the lead in mid-stretch, just got a little short, and now is going to go two turns. And uh, the horse, you know, is by Smoke Glacken, 
out of a Medallia d'Oro mare. So you know that the, the horse can get two turns. And i got to tell you, John, I don't think I ever remember two brothers like Jose Ortiz and Ira Ortiz Jr. that's chopping up a racetrack like these two guys are right now at Aqueduct. Absolutely. It was phenomenal. I led the show with that last week. They had won something like 30 of the last 50 starts. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. You know, you have one shot, one of the brothers winning three races, the other one won four races in the first, like, eight races of the card, and you're thinking to yourself, man, they must be having a sibling rivalry going on here. Well, all I can say is it's going to be a happy family reunion when they go home for the holidays because they're no definitely kidding. sending some nice checks home. But some of the some of the writers, uh, uh, you know, the the uh, scribes and some of the observers that I know from back east that you and I both uh, have a uh, respect for their opinion say that these two kids are really good writers and and uh, they're going to go on with it. Well, another reason to, to like this horse. But, again, we just talked about four of them, and they can't all be the favorite. Actually, we talked about five with the entry. So yeah. uh, I think a very bettable race, and you may find a price in the withers. Well, let's go to another uh, track much farther south, Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, this will be the Sam Davis. Um, it, it, it's a grade three, and I don't believe you get any derby points for, for this race. But it's it's pretty much wide open uh, once you get past I think uh, part of the uh, the Mark Cassie entry. He looks pretty strong in here with a, a dynamic sky, a horse that's been everywhere, and this Northern Lion just looks like he continues to grind out and get better and better every race. It was a six hundred twenty-five thousand dollar yearling, but you know I mean you got Billy Mott in there, you got horses that are coming out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, what do you make of the Sam Davis? Well, I, I think that the Sam Davis does carry uh, Kentucky Derby points, although I think it's like 10. I don't think it's a big uh, Kentucky Derby points. The race over the weekend of the four that we're talking about, the Hutchison is the one that doesn't carry any points. But this race at Tampa Bay Downs, you're right, I think it goes right through the Mark Cassie entry. And again, I reflect on what Richie uh, Migliori had to say about this race this morning. He thinks right now, if they ran the Derby today, his derby horse would be Dynamic Sky. He thinks uh, this horse is cut of a very nice cloth. Had a nice uh, little um, maintenance uh, tightener win in, at Tampa, going seven furlongs in an undercard stakes race last time. Uh, but uh, you can see by his past performances that outside of uh, encountering a lot of trouble, I mean a lot of trouble in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, this horse has a very good, solid resume. And by Sky Mesa, which is a pulpit offspring, uh, you got to think that he's uh, really the nuts in this race. Another nice touch that I like in here is the fact that for his 2013 debut, he ran the first time with blinkers, and he seemed to show a little more tactical speed. He was only a length off it at the half mile, whereas you look at some of his other PPs, and he was dropped back a little bit further, albeit he did have a lot of trouble in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I always like when I see a switch to blinkers, and then I see a winning effort. And it's nice to know that, you know, a, a, a trainer like Mark Cassie, and you and I remember when Mark Cassie was applying his craft in uh, northern Kentucky and Kentucky before he uh, he found uh, his fame in Canada. Right. Uh, you know, Mark um, is a very uh, sharp trainer, and he does this in an undercard kind of stepping stone type of stakes race. And, uh, you know, you don't go changing equipment uh in races of grade one or grade two status. So this was the perfect time to try it, and I think he found it. Absolutely. Well, it should be interesting, and there should be you know, plenty of horses uh, to put to put underneath there. Uh, again, anytime you see a horse coming out of the Mott Barn, 
He changed hands. He's only run on synthetic surfaces, but he's tearing him up down at Payson Park. Uh, my name is Michael. Could be a very interesting horse. Yeah, he'll come off the shelf after uh, plying his craft at Woodbine. He had four nice, solid races at Woodbine over uh, last year as a juvenile. And you know that uh, Bill knows how to get a horse ready if he wants to. Bill is kind of a kind of guy that's a little patient with horses, but I got to tell you, this horse has been uh, firing bullets at Payson, so he might very well be ready to uh, win right off the shelf as he did back in October when he broke his maiden by two lengths. And uh, I also like uh, in the uh, in that race, along with uh, my name is Michael. I also like uh, the uh, two horse Silver Day. I had a nice little tightener in that race behind Dynamic Sky that uh, Pasco Stakes race. Uh, at seven furlongs at Tampa, and I think this horse might get in the uh, the gimmick as far as uh, getting a trip from the rail. Well, to go back briefly to my name is Michael. I agree with you because, as you know, <clears throat> Mott is no Baffert. He does not drill his horses. So, if this horse is working bullets, I'm guessing it's a natural ability. Well, uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't uh, certainly argue with that because you're right. Mott is not going to go out there and say you know uh, put the pedal to the metal. So if this horse is doing it. He's doing it well within himself. Well, listen, I'm not sure if while we've been speaking, if you've had a chance to, to, to pull down the Hutchinson uh, <clears throat> off your computer or not. Uh, so well, I did. I went, to the, <laughs> I went to that attachment, but i got to tell you, um, you sent me the Withers again. Oh, damn it. All right, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Robert B. Lewis while I, <laughs> while I fix that. Um, well, yeah, the Robert probably, E. Lewis uh, is uh, going to be a short story. It's a great race that has derby can only come up with four horses. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a, when you go to Southern California, it's Bob Baffert's world and everybody else lives in it. However, there are only four horses in this race, and Baffert has two of the four, but he may not have the best horse tomorrow. Now, of course, you know, we're talking about a horse called Flashback, who is uh, a tappet. Uh, who is, uh, of course, by pulpit. This horse has had all of the hype and all of the, uh, you know, the big publicity and all that. He uh, came out at Hollywood Park in the early part of December, cranked along and won easily with a 93 buyer speed rating and did it easily. But then he's had a few uh, setbacks along the way in the mornings. He's drilling bullets, but what else is new for Baffert? Now they're going to put this horse from a seven furlong maiden race at Hollywood Park into a mile and sixteenth grade two at Santa Anita. You got to think that Baffert is trying to play a little catch up with this horse, and I got to think that uh, right now, for tomorrow's purposes, that uh, Doug O'Neill uh, with his horse, he's had enough. Uh, yeah. Might be uh, might be the one that's ready to do something tomorrow, and he's he's taking the same route as, of course, he was successful with, with the I'll Have Another last year. Yeah, and all, all the same connections are on he's had enough. So, yeah, it may not be a walkover for Den's legacy, who certainly comes into this race, I think, with the cr- best credentials, if only because of the two horses that have beat him his last race in violence and golden sense. And i got to tell you, man, you talk about a horse that's got experience. We're talking about flashbacks at one race. We're talking about he's had enough who's had – uh, you know, maybe four more races than that. But Den's legacy has already raced nine times in his career, once already this year, finishing a nice second, finishing up well in the sham stakes at grade three at Santa Anita. So, um, you know, with, as a juvenile, this horse had eight races last year and finished in the money six of the eight and was in the Quinella uh, five of the eight. 
So, um, you know, he's a solid a solid horse, that's for sure. By Medallia Dora, you know he's going to get the distance. But, man, um, another horse out of the Baffert barn, another horse who keeps reeling off bullet after bullet after bullet in the morning. Well, so you must be looking over my shoulder because the big, the biggest circle I have on this uh, page is the nine starts. And you know what, Ralph? I'm happy to see that. Too many of these horses are treated like hothouse roses. If you go back to the days when horses were horses, uh, citation, uh, forego, uh, you know, some of the, the, the best of the best, you know, to, to, to run nine times at this time in their career was certainly not out of the ordinary. So what I say is what that does is give a horse a foundation. Everybody scratches their head as to why we haven't had a triple crown winner since affirmed, and I don't think they got enough bottom on them. Well, I can tell you this. Bob Baffert is like D. Wayne Lucas's. If a horse comes back to the barn and he eats up his oats and he's kicking down the stall the next day, Baffert's looking for a place to run him next. There's no question about that. And one thing about Bob Baffert that I know for a fact is that he ain't running short horses. So uh, these horses will give a good account of themselves uh, tomorrow. Well, between Baffert and Pletcher, they're going to have a hard time keeping out of their own way getting horses to the Derby. Ralph, I don't know if, if I finally sent you the right race, if you got the Hutchinson or not. Um, it's uh, seven furlongs from Gulfstream, and uh, this is a race that surprises me. I know that the Derby qualifying system wants you to go around two turns, but you go back in this Hutchinson stakes, and a lot of horses are just starting out and getting their legs under them. We're talking about horses that won this race by the name of Spectacular Bid, Plug Nickel, Lord Avey, Swale, 49er ran second. Holy Bull won this race. Um, I think they might have stubbed their toe by leaving this one off the point system. You know, i got to tell you, uh, John, that uh, uh, you know, in the old days, you had a progression about yourself. They used to start at seven furlong races and then build up to the Derby because the horses used to get three and maybe four starts before the Kentucky. Not so not so much anymore, but the Hutchison was always a good starting point for horses who either had a little bit of a foundation when they were two year olds and just starting their first start back in a nice seven furlong race, or simply horses that got a late start and were taking the next step. Now the Hutchinson is a great tune. It's got, like you said, a great history to it. And uh, you're right. I think they uh, they missed the boat by not giving this some sort of uh, point system. That's for sure. Well, I've only got about a minute left in the show. I didn't know if you had a chance to, to get any insight into this race or not. I got a feeling the horse by the name of Merritt Man, uh, who just missed by a nose in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint, and then came back to win a spectacular bit at Gulfstream Park, is the one that they got to knock off in here. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about that is the fact that Joel Rosario, who I think is one of the up-and-coming riders in the echelon of a Lafitte Pincai or uh, uh, John Velasquez or Ramon Dominguez even, uh, he's not riding this horse. He's not back on Merritt Man. I think that's a uh, uh, not much of a plus. Uh, you know, it's a downgrade to pa- Paco Lopez, and I, you know, I have no uh, uh, qualms of betting Lopez on horses. It's just that... Uh, you know, I don't like to see a guy like Rosario come off a horse like that. Ralph, I'm getting the sign from my man, D. I got to cut you out. Ralph Sirocco, thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies with us tonight. All right. If they want to listen to our shows, they can do it on the Internet at racedaylasvegas.com. Just spell out all the words, racedaylasvegas.com. We're on live and archived. And thanks so much, John. Pleasure uh, talking with you, uh, talking horses this evening. And, uh, yeah, we'll be watching that little game on Sunday as well. All right, that's Ralph Sirocco. Thanks to Shane Sellers, and thanks to all our listeners on Winning Ponies. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.